I believe out of this house, I want to say this before I get started, I believe out of this house that this is just the beginning. Pastor's written a couple of books. He needs to write about 10 more. Um, there's going to be more books that are out of this house. There's going to be children's books that are out of this house. There's going to be worship albums out of this house. There's going to be things that take place out of this house. I'm telling you, this is just the beginning of what God is wanting to do in this church. So if you have your Bibles or your devices, go to 1 Samuel 30, verse 1. And it's even more difficult today because Pastor and Ms. Phyllis are right here on the front row. So I have to watch what I'm going to say. 1 Samuel 30, verse 1. It says, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had invaded the south in Ziklag, attacked Ziklag, and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there from the small to the great. They did not kill anyone, but they carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives had been taken captive also. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to the priests, please bring me the ephod, please, please bring the ephod here to me. And, Ab and Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Today, maybe you're in this room today and you've lost some stuff. I want to challenge you that today is your day to recover it back, to get everything back that the enemy has stolen, to get everything back that the enemy has tried to take from you. I believe that today, by the end of this message, you're going to recover some things that have been stolen, some things that have been lost from you. In order to dive into this message, before you can start in 1 Samuel 30, you have to start from the beginning. David at the very beginning, as a young shepherd boy, received a word that he was going to be what? He was going to be king. David is going to be king. And David lived a life of triumph. But this triumph came with a price. You can't have real triumph without going through tragedy. I want you to hear me. You can't have real triumph without going through tragedy. I want you to know, I don't like following people that don't have stripes on their backs, that haven't been through some things. I don't trust people who haven't been through anything. I never link up with people who haven't been through some stuff. You with me? The sign that you're marked to do great things for God is the fact that you've gotten hit, but you didn't stay down. Even though you got knocked down, you got back up. The sign that you're marked for God to do something great for God is the fact that you got hit, but you stayed up and you kept going. You, there's people in this room, you've been hit with some things. You've been hit with what people have said, what they did. Yet every time you got hit, there was something inside of you that said, I can't give up. I can't back up. I can't quit. I'm not going to quit because there is a word that has been spoken over my life. There is a word that's spoken. The Bible says even though the righteous man may fall seven times, he gets back up. You have to rewind in order to go, before you go into 1 Samuel 30, you have to look at the whole thing. Because, see, we can't talk about King David 
without talking about shepherd boy David. The thing that set trouble, if you look at this story, the thing that set trouble and tragedy off in his life was the spoken word. When that word came over his life, it's not always the enemy. Now, we know the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but sometimes it can be a prophetic word by God that's spoken over me that sets chaos off in my life around me. A lot of us, we don't realize that chaos will set off in your life when God comes into your world. I want you to hear me. When God comes into your world and speaks something about your future into your now. Watch it. Watch it as that happens. The minute you get a promise, you better prepare for a fight. Y'all didn't hear me. The minute you get a promise, you better prepare for a fight. You better get ready. Why else would God tell you to put on armor? I want you to hear me. Why else? If you're a person of destiny, if you're going to be a person of promise, you better be a person of armor. You better be a person that walks in armor. Because the moment the word comes, you become a person of promise. You become a person of destiny. There will be a fight. But the Bible says don't be afraid. Because guess what? God gives you his armor. And his armor is victorious. His armor hasn't been dented. His armor is undefeated. His armor has never been destroyed. And God says, I'm going to give you that armor. I'm going to ensure, I'm going to make sure that you walk in victory 100%. God gives you his armor. You need to know that when you put on his armor that you're guaranteed victory 100%. The second you get a word, prepare for a fight. Even as a shepherd boy, David of destiny, David of purpose, is fighting giants, lions, and bears. Oh, my. And he's fighting giants, lions, and bears. What am I saying this morning? I'm saying in between tragedy and triumph is going to be a fight. In between tragedy and triumph, there is always a fight. In between where you're called to be and where you are right now, there will always be and there always is a fight. If you don't know the power of the promise, I want you to hear this. If you don't know the power of the promise, you can lose in a fight you are destined to win. If you don't understand the power of the word that's been spoken over your life, David, if you don't understand the word that has been spoken over your life, you can lose in a battle that you are destined to win. Could it be that this morning you don't realize that there has been a word spoken over your life? There's some of us, we haven't been able to enter into his presence. We haven't been able to enter into praise and worship and, and prayer because we've been living life according to what they said and their word that's been spoken over our lives. What she said about you, what your mom and dad said that you could or couldn't do. We live our lives based on what they said. But I got news for you today. The enemy is a liar. And long before they ever had an opinion about you, I want you to hear me. Long before they ever had an opinion, God had a word over your life. The fact that you're here today is saying this, that the word is ready to come forth and ready to be fulfilled. Are you ready? Amen. He never sends out a word without letting it come back fulfilled. If you ever have a word, why you, uh, listen, if you have a word, why are you worried about a problem? If you have a word, why are you worried about a problem? Don't worry about the problems when you have a promise. Have you really, I, I want you to hear me. If God said it over there, 
if God said it over there, why am I worried about giants, lions, bears, all this other mess over here? If he said it over there. There's some of us, I, see, see I've, I've been called to live over there. I got to stop worrying about what they're all saying, what they're all doing. You got to stop worrying about that little gossip party that's happening about you. That you think they may be talking about you or they may not be talking about you. I have no idea. They could be. But maybe we're, we're worried about the wrong things. Maybe we're fighting the wrong fights. Is it really victory to win a battle that you were never supposed to fight? Think about it. Is it, have you really won anything when you fight the wrong battle and gain the possessions of the, the battle? Is it victory? Sometimes we celebrate over the wrong stuff. Sometimes we celebrate. God took them down. God took her down. God took them down. All right, all right you guys, you guys are acting like you've never done that before. I pray, I've been like, God, please just do what, and then he'll be like, he'll cross his arms and say, I'm not in that. I'm not in that. I'm not in that at all because I never give you spoils. I never give you possession from a battle. I never give you things from a battle while tearing other people down. It's not going to happen. That's not how I work. That's not how I operate because my gifts are joy. Come on. My gifts are love. My joy, my, my gifts are hope and peace. My, my gifts are open opportunities for you. My gifts are for you and for life and love. And here's the thing. Killing them or killing me is not going to make you king. David sees tragedy and triumph. But he's always in a fight, if you notice, always in a fight on every level. The fight is only there to release what your strength really is. I want you to hear me. The fight reveals a strength you didn't know you had. There have been battles that I've been in in my life. When I was a young man, there was battles with um, just kind of silly stuff. You know, somebody made fun of you or whatever, you know. You rise up, you have the strength, you know. And then later on when you hear something else, you know, you think at that time that's the worst thing that could possibly happen. You, you know what I'm saying? But then you go through life and there's other things. Real life starts hitting you. And everything that comes at you is crazy the way that God works. He gives you something inside of you to be able to step up. And to walk into that and face that thing. Think about this. Like, some of you ladies in here, your moms. And if somebody comes after your little babies. Oh, my goodness, I'm getting out of the way. If somebody comes after my kids, my wife, my wife is the sweetest person ever. But she will, boom, boom, go nuts. You know, there's a strength that takes place that comes out of people. Because you never know how strong you are until something comes against you. Something begins to rise up on the inside of you. You begin to realize that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If God be for me, who can be against me? You see, David is a fighter because he has a word. Because he has a word. In early age, all of his fights didn't look like lions and bears and the giants. Sometimes the fight looked like rejection. I want you to hear me. Sometimes the fight looked like rejection for David. In early age, a word was given that he was going to be king, and he wasn't even invited to the table. He wasn't even invited to come. And he, it was, it was the word was for him, but he wasn't even invited. 
Some of you have been fighting rejection this morning from people you thought would bring you in. We thought would bring us in. Some of us are fighting rejection this morning from people that we thought would just usher us right in. There are people today that have been living outside of your promise, that have been living outside of your destiny because the enemy threw the fight of rejection at you. You thought because they closed the door that it was over. In the kingdom of God, I want you to hear me this morning, rejection is not a curse. Rejection can actually be your best friend. When they close the door on you, it means God has something better over there for you. Inside of rejection is direction and is pointing to pointing you towards a new open door that God has available for you. All you have to do is knock. And he said, I'll open the door. So look, look, here's the thing. We need to thank God for every person that's ever shut the door in our face this morning. We need to thank, we need to thank God. I, I, I want to praise God for every person that's ever closed the door in my face. I want to thank God for every person that's ever talked about me. Whatever. Because why? Because God's got something better over there for me. Come on. Maybe God kept us out of destruction by allowing that door to be closed. Because he has a door. There are doors about to open in your family. I believe that with all my heart. There are doors about to open in your finances. There are doors about to open in schools. It's not by chance that we're hearing all this stuff on news, on the news about the schools, because there's going to be some young people that are going to become missionaries to their schools, and they're going to come out of North Alabama. They're going to come out of Decatur. Uh, Huntsville, Madison, Athens, Coleman, all these different places. They're going to come out and they're going to be agents of change. Why? Because God is opening up a door to our schools. He's opening up a door to our families. He's opening up a door, opportunities for an appointment in here. Financial. If they shut it, it means that God has something better open for you. But see, you think about this. David fights a battle like rejection. It seems like the closer he gets, the bigger the fight gets. I got good news for you today. The bigger the fight, the closer you are. Come on now. The bigger the fight, the closer you are. If you're fighting little stuff, just keep on fighting that little stuff. But if you're getting hit with some big stuff, because this is the reason why. Because the enemy knows that he's running out of time. He's running out of opportunities. You are getting close to stepping into your purpose. You're getting close to stepping in your destiny. You're getting close to walking out in what God has called you to walk out. If you're getting hit by big stuff, I want to challenge you today to begin to laugh in the enemy's face. You can try to take me down, but I'm going to step in my purpose whether you like it or not. Whether you like it or not. The fight changed for David. There was, he was battling rejection because, I mean, he's... He's going to get this word, receive this word that he's going to be king, not invited to the table. Think about this. All of a sudden, he finds himself in a palace that he will one day control underneath a man who doesn't want him to be in control. The second fight he deals with is jealousy. Think about that. Second fight, he's jealousy. He's being faithful, but he's around a man who is so insecure and so jealous that he should be for David but instead, he's actually against David. Real pain happens when you get around people you thought would be for you. I'm hitting home today. Real pain happens when you get around people that you actually thought would be for you. The closer you get to them, the more you serve them, the more you love them, the more you gave, it seems like the more they took 
and they never gave back. Real pain comes when you thought someone was for you, but is secretly against you. It's one thing for an enemy to hate me. Are you with me? It's one thing for somebody I don't know to hate me. I, I, who cares? I, okay, I probably shouldn't say. I'm sorry, Pastor. Uh, we love everybody, and you know, but it's one thing for an enemy to hate me. But think about this. You can deal with that. I can deal with that. The thing that hurts the most is when I was for you, and you were never for me. To be stabbed in the, ma- in, in the back means that you were close enough to be embraced. You were close enough to be hugged. To be stabbed in the back means that you were close enough to be hugged. The greatest hurts in your life will come from people you embrace the most. But here's the thing. How did David respond in the spite, in, in the midst of all this jealousy, in the midst of all this mess? How he responded was so important. Because Saul is after him trying to kill him, and David said this. I will not touch the anointed. I will not touch the anointed. Though he, we, even though we go through those seasons, we have to be willing to love and we have to be willing to be loved. You have to be willing to take a risk of being stabbed in the back while embracing someone you love. Love is risky. Just ask Jesus. He's betrayed by his inner circle. He's betrayed by a kiss. He's betrayed by one that he loved the most. And listen, this is Jesus' response to the whole thing. I'll die for people who barely love me. Love is risky. He said, I'll love you all the way in hopes that you will love me the same way. But today, I want to tell you, I want you to know something. That he died on the cross is not in vain. He died on the cross so that your hurt can be healed. He died on the cross so your pain could be healed. He died on the cross so your wounds can be healed. He died on the cross so that every person that stabbed you in the back, you can forgive and walk away and not hold anything against them. He died so that you could be free, completely free. And God is about to heal those hurts and pains. You know the, you know the pain, not just rejection. But being stabbed in the back, wounded and hurt. David not only experiences great triumph, but he experiences excruciating pain. 1 Samuel 29. We're almost to 1 Samuel 30. I know you guys were wondering when we're going to get there. We will eventually. 1 Samuel 29. He's been, I want you to see the backdrop. We've already, we've laid it out. He's been rejected. He's been hurt. 27 through 29. Here's what he's doing. He's Meeting with the Philistines. He's meeting with the Philistines. He's trying, uh, look, he's meeting with the Philistines, deciding whether or not he's going to fight a battle with them against his own people. He has a word that he's going to be king. He has a word. Could it be that he's looking for acceptance and trying to find it anywhere he could? Could it be that he's just trying to, longing for somebody to love him? And, and here's the thing. Some of us, because we've been rejected over here and hurt over there, we have a mentality of, if you love me, I'll take it. It doesn't matter what your values are. It doesn't matter if you go to church or not. It doesn't matter any of those things. If you love me, I'll take it. My wife makes me watch this movie or this show called Anna Green Gables. Yeah. And she made me watch it. And uh, I... You know, it's, it's really difficult for me 
because it's it's really intense. Sad. There's some sad parts, but there's also the, like the. Anyways, I, I know if I've seen it once or twice, you know, I know what's going to happen. So I'm not going to, you know, the old man dies in it, and and she cries every time. I'm just kind of like looking at her. Um, like, what's going on? Because the old man was, like, so sweet, and he, you see him running. It's just really sad. But anyways, that has nothing to do with the story I'm about to tell you. But in Anna Green Gables, there's this part. She's an orphan, and she's trying to give, convince her family to take her in. Now, she's been rejected, all these different things. She's went through all this stuff throughout her life, and she's been rejected. And this is what she tells the family. She says, I'll, I'll be whatever you want me to be. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just let me stay. Just let me stay. If you love me, I'll do whatever you want me to do because I can't stand being rejected one more time. And think about this. David is with the Philistines meeting, and the Amalekites come in through the back door. The Amalekites come in through the back door. And they attacked what really matters. The Philistines in this particular passage were not the real enemy. The Amalekites were. The Philistines were just a distraction. Do you hear me? They were just a distraction. While you're striving over here to be accepted by somebody, I, all I need is just a couple of seconds to distract you, to get you off your pers- purpose, David, to make you forget about the word that's been spoken over your life, David. All I need is just a, a few seconds to get you to walk away from what really matters. I'll come in the back door, and I'll, I'll steal everything that you need to get to your destiny. The Amalekites, in a lot of ways, are a picture of the enemy. They come to steal, kill, and destroy. The Amalekites destroyed Ziklag and stole David's family. The enemy loves to get you distracted so that he can steal that. Maybe, maybe today the distraction comes in the form of a relationship. Or maybe it comes in the form of... You know, there's so many different distractions you can have. And I learned in youth ministry a long time ago, if they're making excuses, they're already distracted. If you're making excuses, you're already distracted. And there's some of you, maybe in this room, maybe you've been battling. Some of you are wondering, where did it go? How did I lose it? Pastor Josh, what are you talking about? Lose what? How did I lose my passion? How did I lose my joy? How did I lose my peace? Out of nowhere, something came in through the back door and took what really matters. I've lost my love for God. I lost my discipline, my daily focus. My I, Somewhere I got distracted and it got destroyed. I said that all to make you realize. I said all that to make you realize. And see, David has been in a fight after fight after fight, battle after battle. And eventually it appears that he kind of gives into the fight. He kind of gives into it. David, in a lot of ways, you can see he's got this word, but he's meeting over the Philistines. He never asked God if he could do that. He never asked God if he could, if he could do that. It's almost like he gave up on that word because, you know, think about it for a second. A man who is king is trying to kill you, trying to sabotage you, trying to take you down. And all around, you're you're trying to just find cover. You're trying to make sure that you can stay hidden long enough so you don't die, so that you're not destroyed. Think about it. For a moment, you would probably do the same thing. Because something hits us in our life and we forget about what God spoke to us over there. Something hits. There have been moments in my life 
like a, just a couple of weeks ago when I had a horrible uh, call about my mother, a report that came back. And it hit. And all of a sudden when it hits, you start thinking about everything and you forget about what God said a lot of times. I'm not talking to you about something I've never been through. I've never walked through. I'm talking to you about real life, things that happen. And so maybe David gave into the fight. Maybe, maybe there was something there that said, I'm just, I'm just tired. I don't want to do this no more. And a lot of times we would call it in the church world today, we would call it backslidden. Backslidden David. But, but, but you, you guys think that backslidden is all about were they in the club the night before or were they doing this the night before? That's not, that's not what the word means. Backslidden means this. I don't believe what God has said. So there is no need to engage God any longer. I don't believe what God has said, so there is no need to engage God any longer. You slide away from what God has said. Backslidden because of maybe everything has stolen. Maybe everything has been destroyed, lost, sitting in a service full of fear, worry, doubt. Did God really say that? David comes to Ziklag, and it's supposed to be a celebration. And he comes in, he walks in, and everything is, is destroyed. The city is the picture of the man. Empty and destroyed is the city. Empty and destroyed is the man. To make matters worse, think about this. The people start wanting to take his life. They start saying, hey, let's, let's stone David. Let's take him out. Can you imagine? They took my stuff too, David. While you were off meeting with the Philistines, they came in and they took my family too, David. They took my stuff. It's not just your stuff. They took my stuff. What are they going to do to my family, David? Are they going to kill my family? Are they going to destroy my family, David? What are they going to do? David, in this moment, is distressed. He's broken. A man of war, the soon-to-be king, broken, distressed. What an amazing place to be in. I know that you thought I was supposed to say something else right there. But I'm telling you, what an amazing place to be there because there is no better place to be in the place where you're totally dependent on God, where he is your source. You realize real quick that they aren't your source any longer. You realize real quick your job isn't your source. You realize that nobody else is your source, that Jehovah Jireh shall supply all my needs, that he is my source, that he is all that I need. He is all that I need. David, I am your source. I believe God was saying, you wouldn't have won anything without me. You wouldn't have beat those giants without me. Every victory has been because of me. And I'm looking at you today. Every victory that we have won in our lives today has been because of him. He is our source. He is our, he is our strength. A broken David. And then you find him encouraging himself or strengthening himself in the Lord. Encouraging himself. He's broken. They've weeped. This wasn't a moment of affirmation. Where David was sitting in the mirror saying, David, you all that. David, you got this. Bro, hey, they wrote about you and they talked about how good looking you were. They, they said, you were, you were amazing. And David, you were, you were all that. You were, the, you were most amazing. That's not, that's not the context of the scripture. The context of the scripture is getting in the, the right mindset with the Lord again. Having a change of mind. It makes me think of this. A lot of people think of repentance in a bad way. Think about this. Repentance, the goal of repentance is that you're walking this way, but you eventually walk this way. 
All right, but here's the thing. This is what repentance is. Repentance literally means to change the way you think. Could it be that David's on, on the ground after everything had been lost, and there's a shift in his mindset? Because I want to challenge you today. There are some things that can only be gotten back through repentance. I know that's not popular right now, but there are some things that can only be gotten back through repentance. When you slide back, repentance brings you forward. When you slide back, repentance brings you forward. David is at this place where he's broken. And you got to think about this. Maybe, maybe life isn't changing because we aren't repenting. Think about that. Because we aren't repenting. And what I mean is our circumstances may not change around us. But our perspective changes. Do you see that? Your mind is important in this moment. Our perspective changes. And we see even though it looks like the armies are all around us, taking over us, when we begin to get our mindset on Jesus, we see from a different angle. We see that there's more for us than there are against us. Are you with me? You see, when it's your strength that produces false hope, a lot of times it's, it's, we, we just want it, want it to be in my own strength, hoping it would get better. If you're in Jesus, you're never wondering if things are going to get better. Why? Because you know it's going to be all right. It's kind of like that old song that we used to sing, I Got a Feeling. Everything's going to be all right. You guys remember that Miss Phyllis be up here? <laughs> Y'all know that. She was up there doing that thing. I've got a feeling everything's going to be all right because we know this. He works all things out for our good. It's about to work out. There's some of you that have been going through it. You've been going through it in your life. I'm here to tell you, it's about to work out. It's coming full circle. It's coming back around. You need to know that this morning. Pastor Joy, I want you to come on up. When David encouraged himself, there's another important part that takes place. And Pastor was talking about this morning. Pastor really should just preach, to be honest with you. But anyways... When David was encouraging himself, he changed his clothing. He asked them to bring the ephod. They, he said, no, bring that to me. He changed, he changed his clothing. It's almost like this. He went from victim to victor. There was a, there was a shift. There was a mentality. It's like, I, I'm going to change my clothing. And it, it made me think, what you wear is actually important. We got too many Christians that are wearing the garment of depression. The garment of sadness. When God said this, he said, put on the garment of what? He said, put on the garment of praise. How do you praise in the middle of your crisis? How do you praise when everything seems lost? Are you still throwing up your hands? Are you still dancing a little bit? Are you still shouting? How do you praise in the midst of your circumstances? Is important. You see, I know everything changed for David by the way he conducted himself after the matter. He starts off encouraging himself. He changes his clothing. Then he begins to ask the right questions. He's no longer at this place of defeat. He looks up and says, I got a question. I got a question. My wife isn't here. My kids, my family's gone. I have no idea what they're going to do to my family. I have nothing to stand on. But he looks to God and he says, God... Shall I pursue? <laughs> you know, that's the question you ask when the enemy has stolen your stuff and you know God wants you to get it back. But he says, God, shall I pursue? You know what David was saying right there? David was really asking this question. Do you want me to fight this? 
his whole mindset, mentality changed. Do you want me to fight this? It's not a matter of can I fight. It's should I fight. There's a big difference between can and should. What got David in trouble from the get-go was fighting all the wrong battles. Fighting all the wrong troubles. David says, shall I pursue and shall I overtake? What he's saying is, can I fight and am am I going to win? Should I fight? Am I going to win? God responds to David in such a powerful way. God, God responds to David and says, pursue and you will overtake. Now, I stopped right there because God answered the question. But we know that God is a more than enough God. He's exceedingly, abundantly, all we could ever ask, think, or imagine. God is more than enough. He's, he goes above and beyond. And God says one more thing. Think about this. He said one more thing. He said, pursue. And he said, overtake. And oh, by the way, you're going to recover all. You're going to get it all back, David. That wasn't even a question that David asked. But God said, I'm going to go over and above just for you, David. You're going to recover it all today. Right now. What he was saying is there's a 100% chance of victory. There are people in this room today, you're going to get your joy back. You're going to get your peace back. You're going to get your happiness back. You're going to get your families back. He's still writing your book. Your book isn't finished. It's not over. Your dreams aren't dead. Your your passions aren't dead. There are new ministries that are going to rise up out of this house. It's not dead. It's not over. It's just the beginning. You will recover all. You will. The word of God that's been spoken over your life. The word. Think about that. The word that has been spoken. I remember a prophetic word that I was given a long time ago. It was 2000. Chris Fountain, prophetic word. And it was one of those words that was so scary for me because it was so bigger than me. I went, and I, I, it's all written down. And since that moment, I'll be honest with you, there, it was kind of crazy. Since that moment, there's been bumps and bruises all along the way. But the thing is, is more important, I'm not talking about necessarily a prophetic word that's been spoken over your life. I'm talking more about what God says about you, over your life. He says a couple of things about you. He says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. He says, before I created you, before I formed you in the womb, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. He's given us enough words to last a lifetime. We don't need somebody else to come in and tell us something else because God already knows it and God's already said it. It's time for us to recover it. It's time for us to get it back. You've been hit. Some people in this room, you've been going through pain, crying yourself to sleep at night. Looking for love in all these wrong places because of maybe rejection, maybe jealousy, maybe these different things that try to come at you, try to steal and kill and destroy. But I want to tell you today, I believe God sent me here on assignment to say that that your joy, that sorrow may last for a night, but his joy is coming right now. It's coming right now in this room. There are people in this room, you've been going through it. I can sense it. I can feel it. Because it's been so heavy on my heart this whole week. Been heavy. There's been there's been all this stuff that's been coming at us. And I want to ask you today, if you're at this place and you need to recover anything, 
you need to recover anything, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to get up out of your seat and I want you to come to this altar right now. Pastor, we've been doing a whole series on altered. 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 If you need to recover anything, maybe it's finances. Maybe it's peace. Maybe you're not sleeping at night. Maybe you're not sleeping at night. Maybe maybe there's situations going on in your marriage, your, your family. You need to recover anything. I want to challenge you to come on up here. We're, going, we're about to pray. We're about to pray. And I believe the presence of God is going to come in in such a powerful way that your tears, the tears are going to begin to dry again. They're going to begin drying right now. That as we begin to recover, see, there's something that, G, that David did in this moment. He found strength in the Lord as God. There was a mind shift. There's a mind there was a mindset that was shifted, that changed, that was different. There was something that, a mentality. And the first thing he began to do was he began to worship. He began to lift it up to him. So this morning, I want to challenge you. As we begin, as we begin this altar call process, I want to challenge you. It's important that you shift the way that you think. There may be some things in your life right now that you need that has your attention more than God, and maybe you need to repent. Say, God, here I am. I'm sorry I've been focusing on what they said or what this what happened to me over here. I'm going to start listening to what you said. God, I put me, put me in your hands right now, God. I believe this morning that we're about to recover something. I believe this morning that there's some prodigal sons that, and daughters that are going to come back home that we're going to recover. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that we're going to recover. I, I want you to hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. I said this probably a couple of months ago when I spoke last time. We've been so worried about the millennials. There's a, there's a principle that the Holy Spirit gave me. We've been so worried about the people leaving the church and all this stuff. I, I want to tell you, this is what I believe that we're about to recover in the church again. Not a good idea, not a good creative thing of a Bob. This is what I believe. The Bible says, if I am lifted up, if I am lifted up, if I am lifted up, I am going to draw all men. Maybe the church, instead of trying to come up with a creative idea, maybe we just say, God, let us recover the anointing again. Let us recover our passion again. Let us recover our hunger again. Let us recover our worship again. And as we worship, as we lift him up, they'll come running in. They'll come running in. They'll come running. They'll knock the doors down to get here. So maybe today, maybe today is recovering that that passion, that hunger for God again, that anointing. So with every hand lifted, I want to challenge you right now. Is your moment. God is saying, pursue, pursue, and overtake right there where you're at. Begin to talk to God. Begin to worship God. Lift it up, lift it up, and pursue, pursue, pursue. If it's your family member, if it's your family member, begin to call them out. 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 If it's your passion, begin to call it back. If it's a fresh anointing, begin to call it back. Jesus, Jesus, we ask you, God, to give us favor, God. We ask you, God, to show up in a powerful way, God. 
No, I gotta give you just one more, and I'm gonna let Pastor come up because I'm gonna go out. They tell me that I need to go out front. Here's what I want us to do. I want you to hear this. A couple weeks ago, I got a horrible phone call saying my mother, it looked like she had lung cancer, her glands, all, I mean, just the worst possible report. So we go in and we, this this past Wednesday, we're doing um, a biopsy. When I got that phone call, I went out and I was, I was kind of shocked for a second, you know, just kind of shocked. And I began to weep. My wife's the only one that saw it. I just began to, I lost it. I weep like a baby. I was crying. And then I walked away. I began to ask God, God, please show up in a powerful way. You ever been in that moment? Just God, I felt like, but you know what? I, I want to give some praise today. Because we went in Wednesday, got biopsy, got all that stuff done. And everything came back benign. And the good news is, they figured out they figured out what exactly was going wrong, and they, they went in and were able to solve the, the issue and the problem. So I want to challenge you today. Don't quit. Don't quit, David. You're about to recover. Calvary, we're about to recover. It's not by chance. It's not by chance that we have faced fight after fight to get here at this moment. It's our season. It's our time to recover all. Come on, let's give him some praise all across this room.